This is James Malcolm. Reviews James Malcolm. A podcast where your host, James Malcolm, reviews James Malcolm. As a gay icon and stand-up comedian, James Malcolm has had his share of comedy reviews. Like this one from the spinoff.co.nz. If I'm honest, I did sleep through James Malcolm, so I just cannot comment on what they did. But now it's time for James Malcolm to review every part of himself and see what he discovers. Here's your host, James Malcolm. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of James Malcolm Reviews James Malcolm. Uh, It's a very uh, stressful episode, I would say. Yeah, it is probably a very stressful episode for you. You've been putting it off for, well, since you started the podcast. Yeah, so... Day one when I started this podcast, obviously reviewing myself, Max is one of my closest friends and also uh, my only flatmate. Um, I feel like living together with just one person is somewhat more intimate than living together in a group. Mm. And so we are very, very close. And Max, you obviously straight away said that you wanted to do an episode of this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, it was during lockdown as well, so... Lockdown... 1.0. 1.0. Lockdown 1. Yeah, lockdown 1.0. We're currently lockdown 2.0. Yeah, so we were very, like, we only existed in each other's worlds, really. Yes, but that's kind of, uh, look, there's a lot of reasons. Usually, this is where I ask the guest how they're feeling about interviewing me. But first, I feel like I need to get off my chest how <laughs> I feel about you reviewing me. So, one, yes, we're in lockdown. It feels like a dangerous time to do this because we are now stuck with each other for at least another, what, 10 days, nine days? Nine, yeah, at least. Uh, at least. So if this goes badly, <laughs> then... And I would also say that I think... I don't think this will go badly. I, I don't think it will go badly. But, and there is a but, <laughs> I think there's never a high chance of it going badly but this is the one that has the highest chance of it going badly. I would agree with that. Yeah. So I've put it off for a while. <laughs> I always joke that I'll never do it, but we're going to do it. I'm stressed about it. How are you feeling about this? Um, I Do you know what I actually really want to know? What changed for you last night when you walked out of your bedroom and you said, let's record the podcast? What changed? Because I've always felt good about it. I've always, like... I've always been really excited because I think To review me? Yes, because I think, like, I have unique insights and I think we have such a special relationship that there are parts that we kind of pull out of each other that I don't think anyone else captures. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. What changed for me? Well, uh, I feel like it's just one of those things where a lot of time you just got to rip the band-aid off. Mm. I think that I have been really nervous about it but it's one of those things where i've got to do an episode with you eventually right yeah and so <laughs> and we're in lockdown i don't know i just feel like maybe i've just been in a silly mode and i felt like doing it i felt like, and i, I felt th- chaotic it was it was i think it was right to wait after lockdown 1.0 because we as we'll get to later we had a couple of arguments during lockdown 1.0 and i think we literally only existed in each other's worlds i think it would have been super intense that was intense time because yeah Yeah. we were together just the two of us in a small apartment for eight weeks yeah like eight weeks there was uh like we were both probably at various points depressed like there was there was a pandemic going on and i would say that the two the, the the arguments 
like happen near the end of it mostly because I feel like, you know, we just reached our limit with each other. Yeah, definitely. I remember, I don't know if you felt, I don't think I haven't discussed this with you, but I don't know if you felt this way after lockdown, but after lockdown, I was very much like, I just need to get the fuck away from Max Tweedy right now. Oh, like, <laughs> first day of level two, I was at my office yeah, you and were. it was like, it was this respite. I was connect- like, I think also for me, I was connecting <laughs> was with other respite. people. It was because I was connecting with other people. Like I was working, I ended up working quite like, like it was good to be productive. Like there was a bunch of factors, but also it just gave us space from each other. And I think, and then I, oh, that's right. I flew down to Wellington Soon after level two, yeah. I think started, and um, it was beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, this podcast, I didn't really say this earlier, but it's in the intro. I invite people on the podcast to review me, to tell me a little bit of insight about myself, my good things, my bad things. So, kick off with uh, the headline. What do you, if you were writing a headline for the review of James Malcolm, uh huh. What would the headline be? Uh, the biggest fucking simp for Megan McCain. <laughs> <laughs> that is that, not the headline. No, it's not the headline. But, it, <laughs> but if you're feeling generous, you'll put that in. No, you won't, because we, unless you want to discuss your Megan McCain obsession. So my review headline for James Malcolm is the best little brother I never had. Oh, I'm older than you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> But no, I agree that it is, I, I, I've said this too, that I, even though you're younger than me, I get big brother energy from you. And I think it, it, it I think it encapsulates our relationship. And when I was thinking about it, I was like, this is like, this is what I would, that's how I would perfectly describe oh, it. Oh, that's nice. Um, <laughs> now about Megan McKay. <laughs> It's such a funny thing because, like, whenever we put, uh, like, Megan McCain stuff in the group chat, no one gets it. No one really thinks it's funny, but... Because no one really... I don't think there are people that are, like, deep enough in American politics. Yeah, if you don't know who Megan McCain is, uh, (laughs) welcome to... uh, Politics 101 with James and Max. Welcome to the Megan McCain fan podcast (laughs) with James Malcolm. So, uh, Megan McCain was John McCain's... uh, Is John McCain's daughter. John McCain is a dead US politician who was very high up in the Republican Party. She's, like, a conservative commentator now. And she is uh, most famous for being a, now a panellist on The View. And I don't know what it is about it because I fundamentally disagree with everything she stands for, yet somehow cannot help but stand. <laughs> like, not really, but it's ironic, but oh, I don't know. It's not ironic. <laughs> it's not! It stop, it stop being ironic when, when you, you cry. <laughs> Yeah, Megan McCain talking. She gave a speech at John McCain's funeral, who's this again horrible Republican politician. Yeah, she gave the speech, and I, I don't know. It was just the emotions of a daughter speaking about her father. Yeah, I was just just bawling in my room at like three (laughs) a.m. The most ridiculous thing I've ever done in my life. I remember you telling me that I literally have so many draft tweets of. About you and Megan McCain, but yeah, the funny thing is, is yeah, he's John McCain isn't like 
he's in like Donald Trump bad. He's just like a traditional Republican. And the funny thing about Meghan McCain is she kind of rose to prominence because she would just not stop talking about her fucking dad. And that's kind of become the joke is all, she, all the only reason she's relevant is because of her dad. And she's so awful, but she's so charismatic. <laughs> Oh, but, hey, have you seen Monet Exchange and uh, Nina West went on The View um, and hit the chat with Megan McCain? So, maybe she's cool. No, just kidding. (laughs) Maybe it is centrism is the way forward. (laughs) Yeah. um, I know she's awful. I just want to say that I don't support any of Megan McCain's views. I just um, find her... We all have our guilty pleasures. I find her extremely magnetic. (laughs) Alright, oh, um, so if you were describing me to someone who mm-hmm. had never met me, mm-hmm. and you're like, this is who James Malcolm is, yeah. other than a simp for Megan McCain, <laughs> how do you think you would describe me? Um, it's funny because I think, like, th- when I was thinking about this, I was I would always describe you in the context of you being my flatmate. Like, I would always talk about my flatmate James, and so I think most of the time I can say gay comedian and people were like oh yeah james malcolm Mm -hmm. so like there's a lot of that already but otherwise if people like are like oh i don't know if i know that comedian or there are a bunch of like white gay comedians like (laughs) two of them are named james so (laughs) like i've just you know i probably would more talk up your achievements of you like two-time billy t nominee uh, most offensive joke award winner huge achievement dies house party (laughs) (laughs) James. One news tonight. Uh, <laughs> James Malcolm, as seen on Dyer's House Party. It's a really huge And also, like, no me. homo and stuff as well is a, is a huge part, I think, of people's knowledge of you. So I'm really only talking about, like, about You're you to my, queer people. My yeah, I, think I do. I list off your... I, that's the kind of... That's how I would be like, this is who James Malcolm is. And then also, obviously, you'll work it out. That's, and that's how I want to... <laughs> how i want it to be hire me <laughs> my um my dad always when he's talking about me he'll always say um even if it has nothing to do with any of this mm. he'll always say when my dad's talking about me he'll always say so my gay comedian son who's been nominated for the billy t award twice and has been on tv uh went to the supermarket the other day <laughs> i mean nothing to do with any of those points but he has to get them all in mm. oh absolutely you gotta get the you gotta get the, the headline yeah. but I, I don't know i think it's just like i i think i probably do that with like a lot of my kind of friends and people i know it's like i want to talk yeah. up their achievements and how great they are yeah that's nice um, yeah you know we're not hitting the cons list straight away when i'm talking about you, you yeah, know? Like, yeah you save that <laughs> yeah for this podcast for, for you know 10 minutes down the track right yeah. uh, <laughs> okay great we'll move along to the the meaty part of the episode the mm. meaty part of this review uh which i'm really scared about I, I i think the other reason i'm scared of this is i think you are you're someone who is like is honest this is me reviewing you now <laughs> honest at times maybe to a fault you think I'm too honest sometimes where I would say like I think the haircut thing is a perfect thing like sometimes my friends have literally gotten haircuts and they've asked for my opinion and I've told them I didn't like their haircut yeah which you shouldn't do you shouldn't <laughs> I'm gonna that. disagree I because then they trust you when you say that they look great and I think that to me is more valuable I would want people to tell me if they I just think it, the haircut is an interesting one because 
once it's done, you can't. There's not. There's not. There's not really an undo button for haircuts, right? Like it's not like someone buys a shirt that is not flattering. Mm-hmm. Once you have gotten your haircut, it's like that for a month, really. You know, like or at least two to three weeks, and. So I don't see the value in telling them it doesn't look good. They probably know that, and it makes it worse for them. No, yours was cut too short. Which you acknowledged that it looked bad. Yes, but see, the difference is, when I showed <laughs> James Mustavik, my best friend, the haircut, he was like, oh, it doesn't look that bad, it's fine, rah, rah. That's what you want to hear when you've got a bad haircut, you want to hear, oh, it's not as bad as you think. You know, you just want to be soothed a little bit. And you were like, who boy. <laughs> <laughs> Which did. was accurate. I did. I did. It was accurate, but potentially unhelpful. Yeah, but don't ask. You know, like, don't, I don't know, mate. This Again, this is a very personal <laughs> thing. But, like, I don't understand. Like, if you had said to me, like... I hate my haircut, but I need you to validate me. I would have absolutely done that and would have done so convincingly. But you asked me what I thought about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I wouldn't do it to a random person on the street. Like, I wouldn't meet someone for the first time and be like, fuck, your haircut's awful. But, like, I'm talking my inner circle of close friends. I'm actually genuinely interested in what people listen to this thing. Me I too. don't usually ask a question, but... I would genuinely like to know, listeners of this podcast, if you whose side you're on. Yes. <laughs> Please let me know. Tweet, you know, send me a message. I don't know. I would like to know. Uh, I'd like to know your thoughts on that. It's an interesting one. Mm. Anyway, we got a little off track. Mm. So we're going to start off with uh, the pros of James Malcolm. We're going to build up the castle of goodwill before it comes crumbling down with the cons. Um, so I don't know why I feel nervous about this part, but I do. I, I think I'm going to start like... With the kind of minor pros, we're going to just build up, like, mm-hmm. better and better pros. The Like, and the, I think this ties into the whole Megan McCain thing. I just love that we can talk about politics. And oh, I actually love sense. that, yeah, you are quite politically minded. But I think the thing that I love necessarily, and I think, again, this ties into this whole narrative arc of the review of the little brother thing, is, like, I feel like I can teach you a lot about politics. And that's, like, I'm, I explain, I have to explain stuff sometimes mm-hmm. i'm not saying all the time sometimes you're explaining stuff to me but like i enjoy the element like because sometimes when i'm talking to people that are other like like-minded we all have the same kind of knowledge base mm-hmm. or like they're journalists like a couple of good friends that are journalists so it's nice to be able to kind of like because it tests myself and my own kind of knowledge the second is i think i think we are getting onto the big set you're just very kind and generous like you're a very generous human being with your time and your energy and like just with things and you're just very, like you're super hospitable as well which i think kind of feeds into that you've always like when we have games nights like you will go sometimes too far on the snacks <laughs> <laughs> too many snacks but like you're always really super kind and hospitable and kind of generous mm-hmm. and that's something like that i think I think feeds throughout all of your life and the way that you kind of interact with your friends. Yeah. I think quite broadly of just the generosity that you, I think you have with your time and some of the like advice and the amount of times you'll spend with friends yeah. and giving advice. And yeah, I think just you care. I think especially, I mean, I, I think I've seen it probably most in the apartment for board games, especially around hosting. You make sure everyone has a great time. You're probably a more hospitable host than I am. Cause I'm just like, get your own fucking shit. Um, <laughs> 
but yeah that i like and it's i i love seeing it and I definitely like experience that as well i think something to chuck a pro back at you which i don't mm. usually do something that when we're talking about hosting games night something that's really good about you is how i love how much you love that sort of thing i love how much mm. you love hosting as well i feel like you are also very hospitable, even if maybe I'm buying more snacks and shit. Like, that's, <laughs> that's whatever. But I think you're a very hospitable person too, which is what makes mm. uh, which makes this work for us and makes it categorically not work for our neighbours. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next pro? Uh, next pro is, I think, obviously your comedy. Okay. Like, I think you're, a, like, you're an incredibly funny person. Thank you. I think generally. It's funny because I remember... People are always like, what's it like living with a comedian? And obviously there are a lot of shit jokes. You, know, you, <laughs> you get the discard pile. <laughs> <laughs> Maxim likes to rate my jokes after I say them. Well, so, <laughs> we started that because of um, Masterclass. Masterclass. When um, you had to choose. I signed up when lockdown first started. This is probably a con that I'm unloading on myself. When lockdown <laughs> first started, I bought a membership to to masterclass which is that website where they like get celebrities to like tell you how to do things and it's three hundred dollars for a year and you can't buy it monthly but i had just got the wage subsidy it was at the very start of the first lockdown i was like we're in here for ages i need something to do this podcast brought to you by jacinda ardern and the labor government (laughs) so i so i i spent three hundred dollars on this fucking masterclass Mm. and i used it twice but i like literally have used it twice (laughs) but the first time i used it i signed up for the comedy masterclass and you have to uh you have to say what level of competency you're already at at the skill you're learning and so i had to decide uh whether i was beginner intermediate intermediate experienced experienced advanced advanced expert. expert And so now whenever I tell a joke, Max tells me which <laughs> part of the spectrum I fall on. Which more often than not is beginner. Yeah, or worse than that. <laughs> but that's... But, but no, like, I, I think on the, in that vein, it's like, I also think there's a lot of... Uh, I don't know, there's like a lot of benefits. Because I think as well, like, you your friends are all comedians. So, like, especially for games night, like, there's just a shitload of funny people in the room. And I think always you're kind of surrounded by this comedy and it's it's just very, like, it's just, it's a very fun kind of environment to live in. Mm. And because I think just, like, generally whether, you know, you're always just ready with something to kind of fire back with, which is funny. And I think we've managed to build it quite good. But you're a funny it. guy too. I feel like you could do, I know you wouldn't want to, but I feel like you could do stand-up. Thank you. Another pro that I have for you is just... I think and it, it falls into this friendship piece of like the way that you kind of like welcomed me into the, fr- I wasn't like kind of initiated into the friend group, but like you invited me to games and stuff after like we chatted about it. And that's kind of how our friendship started. Right. Yeah. Right. You said that you were quite excited the first time you got. Yeah. I remember thinking, Oh my God, I've been invited to a board <laughs> games night with like James Malcolm, James Musk. I remember the first night that I went to James's, and Mel was there and I said to Katie where I was going and like who was going to be there. And she was so jealous that I was going to a board games night with Melanie Bracewell. Because wow. like Melanie Brace was her favorite comedian. Yeah. And like I was always like, oh my God, this is like so, I'm like in with the cool gays. Which is weird because I, I would think of you more as the cool gays. 
I don't, well, at the time I was like, you know, you're comedians, you're well known, you're established in Auckland, you have this cool, like, boy, I love playing board games. I, I thought you guys were the cool kids. Now you know better. Yes. <laughs> and on that note, no. Lovely. But yeah, I think like that, that was always nice because I, I didn't feel like suddenly when I was advertising my place and yeah, you were keen to move in that that didn't feel... I remember when that apartment ad first came up, I didn't realise I was going to have to move out at that point. And I looked in and I was like, fuck, who would pay that much? To pay? <laughs> I was like, he pays how much to live in the city? Jesus, fuck, I'm not... <laughs> I could never. And then I got the letter from the landlord that she wanted to move back into the house. And I was like, well, desperate times. <laughs> the, fin- the final pro is you... And this, I think this is where the discussion really comes in, is... You love your friends so much. Yeah, I do. You, there is no higher power, I think, in your life than your friends. Yes. This has been a common fit theme in the podcast. And actually, me and Rhiannon in our episode talked about it in yeah. relation to a discussion you and I had. Which yes. is that I, if one of my close friends murdered someone, <laughs> I don't think I would turn them in. Yeah, and I would unequivocally I would. every time. Yeah, we had this conversation, and I literally, I, I point blank, I asked you, I was like, if James Mustapick murdered me, would you dob him in? It becomes more complicated then because, <laughs> because then it's two friends. You know, a friend has been murdered, and a friend <laughs> is the murderer. Yes, which which is a very moral black and white of right and wrong. Of victim no, and it of feels very great. <laughs> <laughs> My point was, is you, you love and you're loyal to your friends too much that it's, I think it blinds you in a lot of areas. You just said it was a pro before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, this is, this is, this, what I was getting at was okay. it turns into a con. Okay. Because like it, it, it does incredible things. Like you love and protect your friends. You, you know, like again, what like we talked about with like the board games nights and how much fun we all have and you, how you're hospitable and like lovable. It all kind of fits into it. But I think, I think it goes, I think it goes a step too far. Okay. So now we should get into yeah, the cons. This is, I think. <laughs> okay. So we're into the cods. Uh, and that is, yeah, this part of the review where we talk about the things in any review that you do yeah. not like about the thing. This is the cons for James Malcolm. What, what is your, well, we know what your first con is. Talk about it some more. Yeah. So I, it's funny because another podcast, I think the podcast with Sam was one of his pros was that you have like a, and I think maybe in someone else's is that you have a, like a strong sense of right and wrong. That you have a really strong, more, I would kind of push back on that a bit. I think you have a strong sense of what is right and wrong, but it's actually a lot harder for you to act on it. Right. And I think like when I was thinking about all of the examples of this, because there's like three or four, (laughs) is like, I think it comes down to your loyalty to your friends. It's at some point that to me was when I analyzed it was actually, it always arrives back at this point. And I think like, should I just talk, I'll talk about the examples. Sure. The first argument that we had during lockdown was about the, the whole journalism thing that happened in the group chat. We are members of the group chat uh, had disparaged press gallery journalists for their questions of the Prime Minister and Dr. Ashley To be fair, 
as every group chat around the country, I'm sure, was at that point, everyone was like, there was a mood in New Zealand of, who are the fuck are these journalists asking these stupid questions? I'm not saying that was a correct mood, but I am saying that that was yeah. the we, mood of the thing. And I know there is a key difference with our group chat, which you're about to The uncover. key difference was, there's a journalist in our group chat. Not a press gallery journalist, but still... Who was going through it at the time. Yeah. And so, it was kind of quickly shut down... By me, yes, in my by defense, you initially, yes. I shut it down. I was like, oh, I made a joke about, ha ha ha, there's a journalist in this group chat because half the people in our group chat, like, our group chat is so big at this point that I feel like half the people in the group chat have never even met some other people in this group chat, right? So a lot of people did not even yeah. know who he was. Uh, and so I was like, ha ha ha, there's a journalist in this group chat. And I think I made it, I did it in a, a jokey way to alleviate the tension and just make it yeah. sort of like, try and make it not a thing. And then people kind of kept going and it was kind of uncomfy. Myself and someone else shut it down and was like arguing and, and put in pieces about why journalists ask questions they do and talking about that, you know, people that train to be in a profession know their profession more than just people in a group chat. And it, it was a little bit heated. I was kind of sick of it. Like another one of my best friends is a journalist who's now in the press gallery. So there's, you know, like there's a lot of experience and I have a bit of like kind of background knowledge. Anyway, it reared up when then the journalist jumped back in in the group chat hours later and been like... And saw all those people like in the group chat talking shit about Yeah, and, and he was like, thanks guys, this is really nice to come back to after a day of like getting it in my own inbox. Mm-hmm. And I think I quite fairly said that the people should apologize for what they said. I think I was quite assertive, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more than assertive, about the fact that the people that said those dis- like those things about those journalists should apologize. And the, the, simultaneously, I have like five different people from that group chat in my mm. personal messages being like, Max is clearly overreacting. Why is he making such a big deal about this? It's not a big deal. Let's just move on. Because you had been quite aggressive being like, no, still no one's going to apologize. Yeah. No one's apologizing. Hmm. Interesting. And people are like, why is Max still going on about this? And so I run into your my I just, my, my damage control mm. brain goes on. I'm like, all these people are messaging me like, Max is, you know, needs to shut up. I, uh, I, 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 I I just have this damage control and I did the worst possible way of handling it, which was, and, and like, if I had paused for even, I've said this to you, if I had paused for even just half a second, I would have thought to, to myself, this would definitely be the, the worst possible way to broach it with your personality type. Yeah. I ran into your room and I was like, you need to delete those messages right now and, and everyone's talking about you and it's really stressful and police and just like panicking, like spewing my anxiety over you. But I don't think it came across as me spewing my anxiety on you as much as it came as it was just a full-blown attack it just felt like that you just come into my room and was a full-on attack and of course i felt very strongly about the fact that i was in the right of defending the journalist in the chat and it ended up in like a a, a screaming match essentially yeah but it was i i think it's not necessarily much the argument that i'm interested in is is the con because i think we all make mistakes and kind of heat of those high emotional moments but I think what we then got to the next day when we kind of sat down and rationally chatted about it was you were able to acknowledge that the person that had been wronged in that chat was the journalist. Mm-hmm. And then when we actually came to how we were resolving this as friends and flatmates that we decided to give to let the person that had been wronged decide if there was a course of action to right that wrong. And I think like 
it took we talked for about an hour before we arrived at that like that point so i think you do have a strong sense of right and wrong but sometimes it takes a lot to draw it out of you yeah I can and i think s- and i think the reason again in this case is what i've put that down to is you had six friends in your inbox and you're closer to them than you were with the journalist you know that was one of the things that you said to me you were like the journalist barely posts in the chat so why does it matter if they're being attacked in the chat kind of thing if it's making I don't it think I said in those words exactly, but... Okay. No, but it was, and, and that kind of essence of if they're barely in it, I'd pick the side of the people that are always in it because they feel uncomfortable right now. Mm-hmm. And so I think, like, when we when I break that down, is you just started with your friends. And I think because I was the person creating an uncomfortable environment. And I think what that did was it blinded you. Next thing. Is there anything else? Yes. Okay. I think it... T- again, I... I don't want to continue to tie this back to a narrative arc about little brother, but I think there are elements of immaturity in your personality Mm -hmm. that probably feed into the lovableness as I was like talking about before. Mm -hmm. But I think there are also definitely parts where I just can't deal with it. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's just like, it's, it's just a lot and I think this is a great time to bring in the second lockdown argument that we had over Ticket to Ride. But this was... I I still think I was in the right. James, you screamed at me and you said you don't want to... You don't want to... You can't look at me and that you'll move out. Okay. <laughs> I was not... In the, <laughs> but, but we were both getting very heated. And I, I think I was in the right of the argument in terms of like who was right on the board game front. Okay. Okay. So we played a game of Ticket to Ride. And to cut a long story short, the the winning, the, the, the condition of finishing the game is when you have like two train counters left to place. And anyway, the we landed where the points between us were close. And I discovered that some trains of mine had fallen underneath the coffee table. Mm-hmm. And so my point was, so, and if I had been able to place those trains with the card I had in the last turn, I would have won the game. But he's the one who called, Max the one who called the end of the game because what? he thought that he had the two cars left. So that was his own mistake. The calling of the game is automatic. Yeah, but you still, it was still your, your trains that triggered yes. it. And you acknowledged it. Yes, which is why I said that we should just void the result. No, because when the game ended, I had won. The game was deemed ended by both of no, us. No, but the, the game ended on false pretenses. It didn't... It but didn't, that wasn't my fault. It didn't fault. actually... No, I'm not saying it was. I know, but, but I'm saying I had it's relevant that, okay. that it was... <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, it's, it's relevant because if I'd been able to play those trains, I would have won. Yes, but you are responsible for your trains... And your trains fell under the coffee table. But that and was then a you mistake thought the I, game, I the game was purpose. deemed over by both of us. We counted the score. We deemed that I was the winner. There's no taxis backsies on that. No, because the the game ended. The game ended on incorrect. If if it was if it, if the computer was controlling the amount that we had, it, the game would not have ended at that point. But the computer wasn't controlling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm a, I'm well aware of that. Which human is what, error resulted in the game being ended prematurely and it was not my human error so why is my win void when i had won? because i'm not saying it then should be my win i'm just saying we should just i know you're not saying it was that. i'm it just was, saying it, it was should half be my an win. hour that we've just lost and we should leave it at that no 
Okay, we don't need to rehash the argument. <laughs> we had this argument, and it escalated. Yes. And I was the mature one who ended up con- letting you have your void game, even though I still to this day believe. So actually, it's a pro. I'm very mature, and I let Max. I'm going to repeat what I said earlier. You said that you can't even look at me right now. I've never. And you threatened to move out over it. I ju- well, to be fair, it was right at the end of locked. It was like at the end of level three, so it was like we'd been together for seven weeks at that point. I. Genuinely have not f- in my life felt as much rage towards a person as I felt towards you in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> like, genuinely, I've never felt such visceral hatred as I did towards you in that moment. I was so fucking angry. I thought you were going to attack. I, I, I genuinely thought you, when you stood That's up. That's why I went to my room is because I was like, I can't control myself right now i have to go to my room but i i did have to say i want to move out because i wanted to hurt you (laughs) i was so angry because because i think that but i think that you intentionally or unintentionally were absolutely egging me on in that situation I got to, I'd say in the middle, middle near the end of the argument, I realized that I was getting heated and I was like, Max, this is over a board game. So I started, go- so I, I kind you of. You were very heated. Yeah. And I, I realized that and I, I kind of came back down from, I was, I was, my voice was raised and it stopped. And I think my lowering of the voice and kind of returning to some, it was just pissing you off even more potentially. Mm. Um, and was going back to a kind of bigger picture of, okay, well, then I won the game because if I'd played the trains, I would have won. But would you indulge me, I don't usually do this, and allow me to present a potential Max Tweedy con? Yes. Which is that I find that you, you find it impossible to let me have the last word. So if you can see that I'm getting really angry, like next, like, Genuinely, as I said, the mo- one of the most angry stuff I've ever been in my life. Was that reasonable? No. But it was at the end of us spending, you know, eight weeks confined space together. Yeah. You see I'm getting super, super angry. You are also angry, but you are not... You're at a point where you are able to level yourself out and calm down. Yeah. But you are physically unable. You could not stop your... You could not back down from the argument. Do you know what I mean? You calmed your voice... And you lowered your tone and everything, which I was not able to do in that moment. Yeah. But you were able to regain control, but you weren't able to to drop the argument, right? You couldn't just be like, whatever, don't worry about it. Let's talk about this later. Or fine, James, you win, whatever. You couldn't... You you had to still be like, no, no. You, you had to keep... You had to keep debating, right? You couldn't let yeah. that argument go. No. Which I, I think is a thing you do a lot. Okay. <laughs> so I'm very competitive. Yeah. I did competitive debating throughout high school. Mm-hmm. And was like, we won a lot of divisions and I was a like highly committed speaker, law firm, etc. Like, I was, I was good at it. I was very good at it. Mm-hmm. It's part of what it got me into politics but it also established this idea in my head, and I think we've also talked about this, is that I believe in an objective right and wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, I believe that 
no matter what the situation is there is always going to be an objective moral or whatever or an objective factual or whatever there's going to be an objective right and wrong and when i establish what i believe to be right or wrong it's moral it's established in my head and i like i'm not gonna go back on what i think is right or wrong based off of someone else's feelings but i think that that can come off condescending sometimes is when you when you are so steadfast on what you think the right and wrong thing is and you don't let other people like you let other people have their view but you stay like you 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 don't like you know like usually if someone if i'm having an argument with someone and i you know and i'm on one side and on the other i'll you know round it out by being like oh yeah okay i kind of feel this way but you feel that way cool whereas you'll end an argument by being like all right and restate your point yes and <laughs> not like have any like that's, leeway that's how you finish a debate but humans <laughs> but, <laughs> but life is not competitive debating um, anyway i'm sorry i shouldn't have it's not no 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 no, no no i i think this is i think i even though this is james malcolm views james malcolm i think it's a fair game okay we've delved deep into your personality i think it's only fair that i brought up an argument where you think there are personality flaws from my side but i th- yeah but that's i am quite uncompromising mm. and i think that can be a good th- i think that's got me to also where i am mm. as well in life and in my career is because you can throw everything at me but there is nothing that will stop me pursuing what i believe in this now i want to also this is a board game yeah <laughs> there are times where that is applied and that that has stead me in great st- you know when i was under fire for the whole pride thing back before i was working with pride um about the whole pride and police thing when that erupted into 2018 and like people were trying to get me like coming from my job and all that sort of thing right but i was like steadfast in that view that's just that's just that's just me mm-hmm. and i think you could put that as a pro or a con and mm-hmm. the james malcolm reviews max tweedy but yeah i maybe there was a part of me that enjoyed winding you up <laughs> i definitely think there was i felt like i saw that in your eyes and it made me <laughs> oh my god i just <laughs> i just seen it i saw it in your eyes there's a previous episode, James Malcolm reviews James Malcolm with James Masterpick, referencing my own podcast, so niche. But um, <laughs> but there's an episode where James says he saw something in my eyes, and I say you can't see things in people's eyes, and I just said I saw it in your eyes. But you would have absolutely seen it in my eyes, and no question, it would have been. I couldn't have. I if I had if I had pulled myself down from being aggressive, and I knew that my kind of assertive passiveness was annoying you i would have absolutely had a glister in my eyes because there was nothing i love i love winding people up it's so much fun james must have was right yeah i think you owe him an apology sorry james <laughs> <laughs> so but i think i back to you i think there's like the fact that you got to that point over a there's sure there are a million other factors and we can you know but it was a board game yeah I think I do have definitely some immaturity, but I think that, I don't think, I think it's, I don't think it's entirely a con because I think it adds to my, I think part of like my, yeah, my like nice, lovely nature or whatever you said. I think that it like, <laughs> a lot of that innocence comes from a little bit of a immaturity. Yeah. But like a fun immaturity. Which is why I'd call you my little brother. Mm, that's nice. 
and I think again when we talk about our relationship and I think it's interesting right because I think like (laughs) I mean we literally no we don't like physically fight but like that is a fun kind of like playful we play fight we play fight which is a fun part but like that's a fun part of our relationship we do play fight a lot I feel like that's not a normal flatmate activity yeah it's definitely not we like a wrestle and declare war on each other and you'll sit on me and you'll tickle me (laughs) (laughs) i'll use an umbrella and we'll have a lightsaber fight yeah um it's cute it's nice it's yeah but i that's why i think that's why because i've never had that like i didn't have a i didn't have a brother growing up so like i feel like this that is kind of like a masculine Mm. testosterone thingy that kind of happens i didn't have a brother either so maybe we just we're just taking it out on each other which is fu- like it's like it's fun, but I think again that's why I would characterize it in that way, and even the way that we, yeah, like play for. I remember, and maybe this is gonna steal the anecdote, but the argument where we were doing the Hamilton viewing, and I just really clearly worked you up, and I hadn't kind of realized it, and then you were like, we had a viewing party for Hamilton, and yeah, you'll remember it better than I will, and everyone it was just this night from it was a bit of a nightmare of an of an evening because <laughs> we were supposed to start the hamilton viewing at like 8 30 and everyone was just running late to the point where like the last person arrived uh at like 10 yeah it was just too late to start watching hamilton it's like two and a half hour movie and so it gets to like 10 it was just so stressful and i think it puts a lot of stress on me because again we've talked about how a great host but i also put a lot of like I'm a great host. Uh, it's not optional. I um, <laughs> I have a, a, a need in me to be a good host. And when I feel the night veering off, it, it causes a great amount of stress for me and anxiety. It's something really fundamentally built into me. And so I was just, I was just feeling very high stressed. And then I opened the fridge and someone had put their kombucha bottles um <gasps> in the in the fridge like hastily and i open the fridge and immediately two bottles of kombucha smash on our floor and the whole house apartment stunk of vinegar for the entire rest of the night we had to mop up the kombucha we had to do the glass it's already 10 o'clock and this viewing was supposed to start at 8 30 like people have been here since like 7 38 and it's just it's so it's so stressful and I think we had just had, like, a few little moments that night that we'd been niggling each other. Yeah, which, again, I felt was quite... normal. Yeah, normal. But and then I... So the, I think a little bit of context was then two nights before, we'd, fin- we'd finished watching Last One Laughing, and as part of you trying to get me to laugh was you threw an empty can of Coke at me, which missed. But, like, that still kind of happened, right? Yeah. It was funny. And then anyway, so I asked, sitting on the couch... After kind of ribbing James a little bit and being a bit cheeky, I'm like, he opens the fridge again, and I'm like, oh, can you grab me a drink? And you were like, no. <laughs> I was like, I ain't getting this man a drink. And I was He's like, on my last can, you, can you get me a... Like, I was like, taken aback. I was like, can you get me a drink? He's like, no. And then so in the moment, of course, it made sense to me, but not to, like, the other 10 people in the apartment. The people thought you were a monster. Yeah, the other people <laughs> thought I was an absolute monster. Because <laughs> you threw your can at me! Because I threw can at you! <laughs> And, and then, also, I think I also thought you were a monster because I had not really been thinking about the fact that we'd done this yesterday. I yeah. just was like, this man is just trying to. But in my mind, I was like, oh, we've angry. just done this, and and then you. I just... said the iconic line that is now infamous in our friend group, which is, Max, can I please have a word with you outside? <laughs> 
<laughs> and everyone laughed because they thought I was doing a bit. Everyone was like, oh, James is doing a bit. And I, I thought like, you were doing a bit. And I was like, and you said, no. Yeah. And I was like, no, no, I'd yeah, actually, yeah. I want to have a word outside. And you left, right? And you, no, no, no. And you still said no. And I said, okay, well, I'm just going to wait outside. Yes. And I'm not coming back in until you've come out to have a word with me. So. And then, and so then so you leave and then the, the mood in the room is so uncomfortable. <laughs> Because I'm the dickhead that's just threw in a can at you and they're all your friends. Like, I've got no allies in the room. And I just kind of like, I don't know what to do. And then <laughs> Melanie Bracewell looks over at me and she's like, you need to go outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then we, we got outside and we had this chat and we realised that we just, we got ourselves worked up over nothing, really. Um, I can't remember the exact conversation that we had, but it was... I do. Oh. <laughs> I remember anything you was, wish to share yes oh, okay. it was so frustrating you didn't do anything wrong it was frustrating I was okay, frustrated okay. myself yeah because it was so frustrating because you were like okay this isn't normal we usually rub each other you know this is all from my perspective a bit of a joke there must be something else going on that's not connected to this you must be holding something else on and I was like so angry I was like no, I'm not, I'm not holding anything on. I'm just angry at this. <laughs> and then we kept talking and I realized as we kept talking that there actually was, <laughs> but I was so annoyed that you had said it that I was like, well, now I can't tell him <laughs> that there's something else. And I have to double down on the fact that I'm annoyed about the stupid can being thrown at me, which means nothing to me. It's so stupid. I have to pretend I, I am actually really this annoyed at him fucking ribbing me at games when we're playing games waiting for everyone to come making fun of me when we do that all the time I have to pretend that I'm really annoyed at this because I can't tell him that I haven't felt enough affection from him recently and I've been feeling sad and like he doesn't you know he hasn't been enjoying living with me because he asked me right at the start is there something else and I was like no of course there's not something else it's this This (laughs) this is valid for me to be angry at and now I'm fucked because I can't, I have to go back on that. And it was yeah. so embarrassing. And I was so annoyed that I, I, I eventually did say like, this is what it actually is. You but did. it took me so long of being like, you kept being like, James, are you sure there's nothing else? Like, no, there's nothing else. <laughs> and I knew there was. Like you could have, def- imagine just you being able to diffuse that entire situation by just handing me a drink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I, I also think people, I don't, I think you have some immaturity too, but I don't mean that in a bad way. I think that. All my friends do. I think that people yeah. who have no immaturity are fucking boring. Yeah, that's fair. But I think I, I, I think I would argue, yeah, you do. And I, I, there are times where that, it's t- totally fun and hilarious. But I think there are times that it, it kind of, maybe it matters a little bit. See what I said about him having to get the last word. Oh, in? this is not fair. <laughs> you invited me on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was your anecdote. So are we done? I mean, I think I think so. So, uh, thank you so much for joining me, Max. I appreciate it. I feel like we've had a good we've had a good chat. Thanks for having me. Finally. All right. Well, do you have anything to plug? I mean, if you're queer and you want to put on a fabulous event in a fabulous festival, um, Auckland Pride is opening their festival registrations in a couple of weeks' time, roughly. Lovely. Uh, you can follow Auckland Pride at Auckland Pride on all socials. Coming to you next February lovely all right well thanks for joining me and uh yeah thanks for listening 
if you uh, if you like this podcast, give it five stars on Apple Podcasts, share it with your friends, do all that fun stuff, and I'll see you whenever I end up recording the next one. Bye.